Welcome to the first episode of season three of His Dark Materials slash season three of Dust Watch. We're in the finale. We're in the end game now. We are in the end game now, yes. And we've, we've done it. It's been two years since the end of season two, and we have watched the first episode of season three. And we're, you know, we're getting into it. And we're back in the same room again, if they haven't heard anything before previously. Because season two, we were all in different rooms, right? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. We were, two, we were separated. Exactly. COVID. The COVID lockdowns. It'd be that way. So now that the pandemic is quote unquote over. Yes, it is. Uh, we can actually be in the same room. But now we're on my turf. We are. That's right. We're in your house this time. Exactly. And it's, the vibe is a little uh, more Christmassy. No dogs. Also, no, no dogs. That's correct. We don't have any animals here. Um, no demons. No, this is a good Christian house, so there is no demons wow. here. Um, you think Nella would be your demon if Millie's mine? Not at all. If we're at my house Nella's and we're recording, still too neurotic. But she's a big dog. You want a big demon? Yeah, but I would definitely. And we spoke about this on on the stream the other day. I was like, it would probably be uh, something the size of a husky, but not husky because I'm not that like energetic like you're they not. are. No, 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 no. But it would probably uh, maybe a mastiff. Weird. I see them kind of as like laid back, strong dogs. Well, as we know, HBO gave me my demon. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, they did. And we did. Oh, uh, have they reached out any further? Don't worry about it. We have they the reached one. out any further? I mean, is honestly, yes. That's You only need the one because it was a really good, like, it was the best PR hand, package we've ever crafted. You know, it's the only one I've ever seen. What do you mean? <laughs> we've ever seen. No, I've seen other ones. I, I take that back. I have seen PR packets before. I've done things in my You've life. You've done too. things. Yeah, yeah, I've done things. Yeah, good for you. PR packets. Good for you. Uh, but yes, yeah, His Dark Materials, season yes. three, episode one. All right, we're gonna. You want to get right into it? What's the title of it? Uh, it is called The Enchanted Sleeper, which is also what chapter one of the book is called. That okay? So right off the bat, it doesn't make any sense to the episode, um, because there was somebody sleeping. Correct. Mm-hmm. Enchanted? No. Unless we're saying the well, way Well, that's the, the story she was telling. Because I'm like, the way that she became unconscious is not magic. I can get we'll it get at there. a CVS. We'll get there. You know. Can I? I don't think you can. Are you going to go to CVS for chloroform? I don't know where you buy chloroform. That's a good thing. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> Let's keep it that way. I am assuming it's, honestly, and this is no lie, I'm assuming it's like rubbing alcohol. <laughs> And it's just on the shelf. You want to test it? <laughs> no, I don't say it smells like rubbing alcohol. I'm assuming that you just buy it in the yeah, store. Yeah, like it's the same thing, right? No. Okay. No. We'll see. That's just me not knowing. I'm sorry. I don't knock people out with chloroform on a daily. Well, you know, good to know. So the enchanted sleeper. So the enchanted sleeper. We open on something that I immediately makes me think. So we we talked in our teaser episode. If you listened to that before this, mm-hmm. that we missed out on an episode last season. We only had seven episodes instead of eight. There was supposed to be an Azrael episode, and I was saying that I I wonder if there was a good amount of information we were supposed to get in there that they're now going to have to kind of shoehorn in, such as the fact that we start this episode. In my least favorite way for book adaptations to tell stories, and that is with um, with narration. I always hate okay. when they do that. It's such a lazy way to to try and give exposition. And they're like, "We're gonna we're gonna put a CGI background of things and just narrate and throw some information at you that you were supposed to have." Okay. And we get the bomb dropped 
that the authority God is not God. Yeah, just another He's not angel. the creator. Is just an angel, and that's a big reveal. And they were just like, "By the way, here's this." Well, see, here's the here's the here's the the problem with it. Why I don't really mind too much. I agree with you though. Mm-hmm. Like it should have been a reveal, but then they should have shown me this uh, authority all the way through to make me believe that that's what this is and then have a plot twist where I'm like, oh, he's not who he says he is. But they haven't shown authority for two seasons. Well, so this is also my 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 question. And I think I've kind of said this multiple times throughout the last couple of seasons is the reluctance of especially the movie, but even a little bit with the show, to call the authority God. Hmm. They rarely ever say the word God. Do they say it in the book a lot? All the time. Oh, okay. So the authority and God are interchangeable. Oh, the yeah, authority so is God. Yeah, God no, is the authority. They don't do that at all here. So the, the reveal that God is not God is a big deal. So that, But it's, it's weird that they would take that stance when, again, they've done that before in things. Mm-hmm. The show Preacher that came out on A&E, yep. God is a character. Yep. Like, that's it. Uh, um, um, what's, what's the show that went on way too long? Supernatural. Supernatural. God is a character. So why would, maybe because it's a, a, a British thing? A British thing? Yeah, a British thing. Really? Yeah. I don't know. And it's it's kind of the, some, something that I worry about with the movie and with the show is that like a lot of the point of the book is a discussion on religion and on God and, and on the Catholic Church and organized religion as a whole. And it's like, are you adapting this to make a fantasy show and you are going to leave all of that out because you want to sanitize it for the biggest audience? Or are you actually going to adapt the story and the themes that are in there? No, they're not. They're, they're adapting it for just the largest audience is what they're going to do. Which is what worries me. I don't, I don't think I don't think anything old um, that's been told is ever going to whatever message was trying to get through I don't think they're they're going to adapt it to put it through so like I haven't seen Lion Witch in the Wardrobe and you said there's you know whatever type of imagery in that that the whole know. series is religious allegory yes yeah but I I'm I'm and like I said when I was a kid and I watched it never got it teacher never said anything about it no one ever said anything like that it was an allegory for for this and that well, even when you were describing the scene where they cut Aslan's hair and then they, they, I can't remember what they do to him. They stabbed they, him on a rock. Well, and don't they like, actually put the crown of thorns on him? He's Jesus. I don't remember that. I just remember them cutting his hair, putting him on a rock and stabbing him. He's Jesus. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is alive. <laughs> but I, I don't think now in modern times that you, that they're going to take older stories. I think a lot of the new writers will have some type of message and they'll make a new thing out there. But I think any old stories that there's a big fan base for, they want to get a wider fan base because they're like, we're never going to get your money. Now they want to get my money. So what's weird about that, though, is that Chronicles of Narnia wasn't supposed to be over. It never says he's Jesus, whereas his dark materials specifically uses the words God. Yeah. And and they're like, "Mm." you want to give it to the mass media. So the way it plays out in the book, just so you're aware, there is there is quite literally no room for interpretation. Um, the actual reveal is, quote, the authority, God, the creator, the Lord, Yahweh, El, Adonai, the king, the father, the almighty. Those were all names he gave himself. Mm. Like they're like, in case you were in case you were unaware 
we're, I'm going to make this very, very clear. This is the God that we're talking about. We're talking about the Christian God right here. And yeah, so so they, they, they drop that bomb on you so quick. They're like, narration, boom, right here. And so I'm wondering if like that was probably supposed to be a big reveal in the Azrael episode, which is weird though, because it would have fit in here because it's clearly in this book. Balthamos and Baruch tell Will that. And they're like, mm, we'll just throw it in some narration. They tell him what the narration said. Yeah. Okay. That's how that's how you as the reader get that information. Do you get any of his character, um, any God in the other two books? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, the, the so they all, just left it out in yeah, the show? Yeah, the authority the... and God are, are both used in the previous no, books. No, 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 no. Do we get to see any of it? Oh, no. Okay. So we're just... It's the same as it is here. Like God is not a, a person. God is not yeah, a, a figure. Yeah, but this is a this is a a, a a fictional story where you're telling me one thing, and I need to believe that one thing in this story. That's what I'm saying. It's and it's almost if like if you just were to take Star Wars and you just told me. Well, it's that, the same way that people believe in God in our world. Yeah, but we're going on a story though. We're but telling it's the same thing. But I, that's that's where I that's where I get uh, have issue when it comes because i'm going off of just a storytelling aspect when it's a storytelling it's a show don't just believe type of situation so if it was because then why not just make it a a um like a uh a non-fiction thing you just, mean a literary fiction yeah non-fantasy yeah just go that route i think that shoehorns fantasy too much like you can tell stories like this in fantasy that are connected to our world very well. Like, I don't think just because it's fantasy, you have to show everything. I think the point he's making is that even in a world with magic, even in a world with demons and everything, it's still the authority and God relies on faith, and that faith is used against people. And I, if I, because <clears throat> like I said, I, I can, if, if we're going to, and I'd probably do it again in the book more than they do in the show, but if we're going on stuff like that, then it's just like, okay, in the real world, you have a bunch of evidence to show what you believe to be a, a cruel God. You can blame it on the horrible things that, you know, uh, people have done in organized religion and, and, um, and so forth. But like that's in the real world. And then people still make arguments towards it. I haven't seen that argument back and forth. It's just, we got the group, they do bad things. Okay, cool. The magisterium. I, yeah. The magisterium. That's cool. I haven't seen, and I, I think I said this in the first season, or maybe the second season, but it was like, I haven't seen your base believers. People that get up. People. Yeah, people that get up, go to work. They believe in this and, you know, and everything, and that's it. And they don't question anything. I haven't seen just them. I've just seen the big bad and the people that want to shut down the big bad. But then I just, again, don't get a lot of evidence on, like, why is this big bad? I have to just go on what I uh, on the real world what if I never experienced anything religious in my life literally impossible no, not really no for most people not really for most people who are going to pick up any book have a baseline of knowledge of the society that they live in they have a baseline of society they live in but what about me I haven't experienced with my personal family and everything like anything negative uh, religious wise I didn't grow up religious so then how would I just automatically read in the book be like well, I know how this is. If I don't see the character that is supposed to be the because the you bag. exist in the society. I grew up non-religious. I'm an atheist. I don't. I don't go to church. 
but I can still interpret everything because I know the society that I live in and I understand the world around me. I just seem like I'm like from the, the point of a story when I'm in reading a story, I'm not going to put my real world. See, but that's on you. You have well, to see, critically look at things with, why with the would knowledge I do of that your own in a society. fiction book. I, the the purpose of to, it because you also have to take into account the person that's writing it and what the point of view that they're writing it from. But see, I, I don't know. I don't know. I never really, I never really do that with any books because I'm like, if their their work is going to stand on their own, and I don't look and it's, as somebody that's writing. I'm like, with the stuff that I write, whenever you put that, you might see glimpses of Aaron inside of it. But not like this is a whole of my beliefs or anything. But everything like is that. a product of the society that you live in. True, but which is why it can be so difficult to go back and read books that were written three, four hundred years ago or five hundred years ago. True, and, and I you see don't have that. the basis of knowledge. I, I see that with with certain type of books, but I look at like fantasy books and stuff like that, and I'm just like, well, okay, I need to know all the players in this. And I need to know all the motivations of players in this, like certain things. So like, like a Shakespeare book, um, much ado about nothing. I think the characters, um, Iago, he has no motivation just to create chaos in there. That's just, this his, his whole thing. And, um, they never explain that. And that's one of my favorite stories. And it's irritating to me where it's just like, okay, he's just, and I have to accept he just creates chaos, but I see him doing that. So I can put that on him so I can be like, OK, the cause of all this stuff and the reason why he's the bad guy is because his actions in this. I don't have to. And, and I know that in the real world, there are people like that and stuff like that. But I didn't need to to know that in the real world because they're showing me in this book like that's just how it is. And then I can take that out and I can put it into the real world if I want to. And that'd be fine. But like. I, I didn't. So like when I'm seeing this book, I'm always coming from it like a story perspective. Like this is the writer. This is um, and I'm never really looking at it as well, what real world things are going in this. I'm looking at it as, well, what characters do they make? That feels I, like a you thing, though. Like I you're not you're I get not the motivations behind looking it. at like you're taking the story at face value and not looking deeper at the why and the themes of the world that it exists in. I don't know. Maybe because I don't really, I don't, I'm trying to think of when's the last book where I was like, I'm looking at the themes within the book. Cause I, and there's another one. I really love, um, Lovecraft country. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of themes in that, but I take everything in there as face value as well. I didn't, I don't, you know, like I, I get the ideals in it. Like, okay, there's racism. Yeah. I know that there's racism in the book. Okay. I, I get the concept of that. But then I also know why this character is doing the, the the bad things they're doing and stuff. I don't just be like, well, it's the 50s. This person's white racism. That's it. That's why they show me why this character is doing this. This this white man is doing what he's doing or, you know, this white woman's doing what they're doing. They don't just leave it at racism. Boom. Go. And also, this is a kid's book, right? Yes. So Pullman Wanted to, and again, I said this, I think, in season two or season one. I don't think the man has ever met a child because he wrote the book. No matter how popular it is, I guarantee you they're not pulling stuff out of there. They're like giant so bears. So that's, that's nice. the interesting thing because I read this as a kid. I read this when I was probably 10 or 11 years old is when I, the first time that I read this series. Mm -hmm. And it is a 
wildly different experience reading it as an adult because I didn't catch all those things. I wasn't looking at this yeah. and being like, this isn't you know, a huge commentary on organized religion in Western society. So with that in mind, if you go back to young Emma, what were the things that you really liked about that, right? It's well, a fantasy book. It's a fantasy book. So I have to imagine that he didn't write this as a like kids book fantasy. He wanted deeper, right? He wanted right. these 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 things brought up, and that's exactly why I'm like, you never met a child. I can tell it through your, you know, consuming your your uh, your story as an adult. You didn't think about the the fairy tales and fantasy type of stuff. You wanted this message. And well, and keeping in mind as well that this was written largely in response to the Chronicles of Narnia. And I think that's where I find umbrage with any work when you either write it out of spite because of one thing or you write it because you want the message louder than the story. In my opinion, this is Aaron Carter. I'm like, as a writer myself, I never want my message to be louder than the story that I'm trying to tell. I don't think the message is louder than the story. I think they're equal. It's not. Yeah, no, no. And that's where I'm saying. And the story is the vehicle for the message, which is the same with any written thing. The story is the vehicle for the message. They put message before story, and it's garbage. And I've seen it in a lot of different stories, and I'm like, this is just, okay, I get it. Corn is bad for you. Thank you. I got the whole story. So I'm not saying it's in this one. And and this third act, third season, kind of is pushing a little into the, oh, yeah, yeah. This is, this is what I'm going for. Question everything, your beliefs that you have now sitting. Which, to the book's credit, does not come out of nowhere. In, and so, in the books, it does not come out of nowhere. So, yeah, no. And like I said, they, they've... they've um, Spread it for the majority, the masses. Which is why I was so concerned for seasons one and two. I was like, if you're not going to lean into this now, it's going to feel like it comes out of nowhere when you start connecting this to Christianity. Oh, it definitely more more so now. Like obviously, they're they're very cinematically they're they're very blatant that the magisterium is the Catholic Church. Like yeah, and their and their looks and everything like that. Yeah. Um, But in refusing to say it, it always annoys me a little bit. Well, because I like I said, it just kind of waters it. feels like it waters it down whenever you're just showing a picture and then nothing behind it. Right. And as you get closer and closer in season three, we'll see this more. And as you get, as you get closer to the end of the story and the way that the the third act plays out, it's like, if you haven't set this up, it's going to surprise some people that, you know, when you start talking about God and when you, and they're like, Oh, I didn't know this was supposed to be my God. I didn't know this was supposed to be the, our world's God. Cause there's a, you know, I mean, there's, it's a, Massive Christian and Catholic population all over the world. And now I'm trying to think maybe that motivated them, especially in England, to be like, we'll just drop it all at once. Because if we're going to lead into it heavy week by week, are we going to get people to come back? Yeah, I don't know. I will say that that's probably a big reason why Disney sanitized the movie. Way back when. I didn't know Disney did the movie. I'm pre- I'm fairly certain it was Disney. Um, it, actually, it might have been Fox, which is now Disney. Anyway, regardless, it was. it's probably a reason why they sanitized it so much. Um, there was a huge Catholic boycott against the movie, which probably wasn't mm. actually as big as it. You know, it's just a very vocal, small group of people. Um, well, I mean, vocal, small groups of people seem to get things done from do. time to time. So. But all that to circle back around to the fact that they drop that bomb in a narration and they're just like, Oh, by the way, 
Here's a central, like, central plot point. God is not God. The only thing I didn't like about it was that, for me personally, is you, you're introducing now the big bad in a physical form because we got to see something, some type of representation of it. Because so, they did the whole CGI thing. Yeah, CGI thing. Season three now. Well, now that we know, okay, so the thing is that now we understand that God is not God. Um, he's just an angel. And we do have a physical representation of angels. Yes. So now you have a physical representation of uh, the authority yes. being just an angel. Yes. So now I got a bed. Yeah, like that's... Now, um, you, got, that's, now that's, you got that. That's which what is, I've been waiting on. Which is what Asriel is talking about throughout this episode is that he realizes that fighting the Magisterium is not the fight. Like we've been looking at it as we're fighting against the Magisterium. And he's finally realized that is not the fight. That is the smallest iota itty bitty zoomed in piece of the fight. The actual fight is with the authority, which I now know is an actual thing I can fight. But honestly, did we know that they were fighting the Magisterium? I thought his task was always going above and beyond them. Oh, yeah. That's what it was like. We never got uh, a one-to-one conflict with them directly. Like there was no, is it more like that in the book? Like, is there ongoing conflicts always with the Magisterium? And then he's the one that's just like, this isn't the fight. Not so much. Um, we know that he has, he basically has beef with the Magisterium uh, after the events of book one, when he's starting to open portals and things. Then he's, he gets, he's got some beef with the Magisterium. Because remember, before that, they were kind of trying to shut down his research because it was heretical was his but it wasn't his research always to try to get to um uh to the the yes. heavens oh the heavens um that is a great question that i don't know off the top of my head or was he just trying to see can i move to different worlds because i don't think they ever they never made it well, clear so he was trying to learn about dust to an extent and his research into dust led him into the sort of other worlds theories um and the idea of other worlds it's brought up in this book and I don't imagine it's going to come up in the show because it's a very kind of, you know, off, you know, just dialogue, kind of random dialogue that the, the, the theory of multiple wor- worlds of the multiverse has been brought up before and the magisterium shut it down. Right. I think they either killed the person or they threw him in prison, but essentially it was heretical. I'm trying to also think is how old is how theoretically how old is he? Asriel? Yes. Uh, Mid thirties. Oh, oh my! Because Mrs. Coulter is thirty-five. That is insanity. So you're telling he's, me he's well, he might be in his early forties, depending on how much older he is. You're telling me though, this man at what age stepped into another world? Yeah. What age did he step to to his first? Forty, maybe. No, and no, we're no. going to say he's forty years old now. Okay, but no, no, no. He stepped into the, so thirty-five. He stepped into another world for the first time. No, he's only stepping into the that time that he opens the portal in, was the first time. Is the first time, and he got the theory in his head to be like. Every other world has the same problems that we got here. He, yeah, he, he does kind of, well, cause he talks to angel. He, he, rec- he, oh my God, says in the episode that he talked to an angel. Yeah. The one angel told him about, yeah, yeah I get that. Telling, fun, yeah. yeah. Telling, telling him about the, the creator and everything like that. I get that one problem, but you just painted it over everybody. If you came here alone, there are hundreds of religions and they have hundreds of gods. And you're going to tell me you just put the same thing? Because so it's I can all the even, same God. The I, authority is over all of the worlds. Okay, so in this book then. Yes, the authority so is then, and the angels are over 
every so world. So this is why I can't take the same thing of putting it in my world. Because if he had stepped into Earth Prime, as I called it. Us. Yeah. And he went to New York. There alone, he'd get confused on. He'd be like, okay, there's the Magisterium there. But right across the street, there's Hare Krishna over here. There's uh, Hasidic Jews over here. Some of them kind of line up with this. But then that one, Hindu, they don't even have the same. So it's like, that's why I'm like, I got to take everything at their. Well, it's the idea of different beliefs still existing, but the authority being. Yeah, no, no. One, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get it. The, the, The one, the person that was like, hey, it's all me, guys. I'm the one. I'm the, I'm everything. I get it. You know, but like, especially if there are countless other worlds i'm thinking for years he's been traveling through nope. these places seeing things like maybe at age 20 no because lyra's only what he had to 12? kill a child to get there i don't know i thought maybe like since they the magisterium shut down his research they shut down the original way of him getting there because as we know he didn't have to kill a child to get there did he i mean he did Not, no he didn't he did as we just saw he, he didn't have the knife. He could have. He didn't have the knife. No, I'm saying the knife. Oh, you're talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah we'll talk about that. Let's let's get on to let's, the notes because okay. we've gone we off into even the, the episode, theories and stuff like that's that. That's a little yes. little. Uh, okay, so if you remember last night, you and I were watching the last episode, and I mentioned I was like they left out the last like five pages of the book. Okay. They they just they and I was like maybe they'll just put it in the beginning of season three. So the the subtle knife ends with will discovering that Lyra is gone and meeting Bothamos and Baruch. Okay, so where we where we started here though. A little bit. But so what we start with Will and you pointed this out immediately, he starts quote unquote looking for Lyra. Correct, yes. By starting to cut into other worlds. You got to do How something. How the fuck would she have been out of their you world? You got to do no, something. That was stupid. So in this scenario in the show Will's like, oh my god, I have to find Lyra. Let me start cutting into other worlds at random. No, I guess yeah. And he like walks guess, down and he's yeah. like asking a woman. He's like, do you, have you seen a girl with with a with a demon who's who looks like this? So that's why I was going to ask: Is he cutting into other worlds, or is he just cutting to different locations? Because he t- it was another no. woman. With so a the demon. way the knife works is it cuts into the exact same point, the exact same place in space in another world. So. If I cut in right here where we're sitting yeah. into a different world, it would be this exact spot in another world. So if he has to get from, if he has to get somewhere else in the world, he has to travel to that point in his own place and cut into it. And so he'll run into the issue sometimes where he opens a window and the world he's trying to cut into is maybe, you know, maybe his elevation is higher. So he's in the air or maybe his elevation is lower. So he's cutting in and it's underground and he has to find a different spot because it's too low. Nothing physical can pass through there unless uh, moved. Right. What, what if he cut into a place that was just a river? Would water pour actually, out? Actually, yeah. So, the, and that that actually comes up later in this book too. Is there's a window and it's raining in one world and it's dry in this world. Yeah. And so all like the there's like one rock that's wet. Okay. Because the rain is passing through. Yeah. Okay. So he starts opening windows, looking around. He pulls out a map at some point, and you he and does. I are both like, "What the fuck is this map for? Yeah, You've been through five do, yeah. worlds." I mean, and then he actually looked at it as if, okay, yeah, he's like, I'm oh, here. I'm here. Just take two more steps and I'll be there. No sense. He, and then like, it just made it more complicated for really no reason because as he's walking through one of the planes, he happens to notice that he's being followed. And that's where we see Balthamos and Baruch for the first time. Whereas in the book, 
He sees Balthamos and Baruch. They're at the campsite where he has noticed that Lyra is gone. And all they have to do is that I believe Baruch flies up, gets a bird's eye view, sees Mrs. Coulter and where she is going. Mm. And he's like, go this way. Follow her. She's that way. So there's no meet up with the bear, no sea travel? There is. That all happens. But they have a way, like, they know where they're going. He's like, I have a heading. She's this far ahead of you because she's had some time. Yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah, got yeah. a pretty solid head start because um, this is where Boreal has died. The witches have died. Um, the witches in their camp in in the book or in the show, it was just the one witch that gets the specter, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so she has a pretty solid head start, but he's like, I flew ahead. She's like this far ahead of you. It's a, it's a good distance. She has a solid lead. Um, but I can see that this is what's happening. Can, can the angels manipulate anything in the world? So the interesting thing there is that Balthamos and Baruch are very low level angels. So there are different ranks um, of angels. There are angels who are more powerful, who are able to fight and touch things. And there are things like Balthamos and Baruch, which are much less corporeal. They don't really have a lot of strength. Can't they, touch anything. They can't really touch anything. Um, right. You can kind of make contact, but it would be kind of that, like, you would just get a lot less resistance than you would expect can hitting you, a person. Can you injure or kill an angel easily? No. Okay. Mm. Mm. What what's what's to stop them from slowing her down at least? They wouldn't be able to. They 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 wouldn't really be able to grab her. They wouldn't be. I know. Able that's to... what I said. Slow slow her down. That's all I said. Because last I had to gauge where what can they do. They can really they can't do anything. They can fly up. They can say, "Will I can see her? She's over here. Walk that way." And that's really I mean, like, the extent hey, of what they can do. You know, Bartholomew or whatever. Go slower down. We'll catch up. You can't do anything. Just to slow get her down. in her face, shimmer a little She'll in her walk. face. She'll just keep walking. Because and she's. I don't know if Mrs. Coulter is aware of the angels, like if they exist for mm-hmm. her. Um, but if they don't, she's already on the track of I can control the specters. Like razzle dazzle a little more in her face and slow her down. No, that's what I'm saying. No. So the the show complicated it a lot, and I'm not really sure why. Um, I don't know right. if they just wanted it to be a little time. more cinematic. Or just needed to fill some time, I maybe. guess. Because that's easy. You, what you explain is an easy thing. Fly up, look, they're there. We, we're But far it gets behind. rid of all the questions that we had of, like, why is he cutting through different worlds? Why does he have a map? How does he know where he's going? How I, do they find her? That cutting through different worlds is for me. Because in any show that there's, like, magical powers or if there's somebody has superpowers – Fans want to see them play but with them. that does happen, just not here. Well, we want to see... We're not going to wait till the, the final episode of you season three. You don't have three. to wait that long. We want to see a bunch of portals, him fake stepping through no, stuff. Okay. Oh, my God. With the most awkward step. That was the, when he has to step into the other world, and he's yes. clearly, like, faking a step over, like, a yes. barrel. That was awkward. So, Acting. And then he... Acting. He learned how to close them on the other one, right? The pinch yeah. and, and then, okay, he learned yeah. it in season two. Because it was like, he's he's got the hang of it now. And he's kind of just traveling through all the yeah. different So things. in this iteration, um, Balthamos and Baruch find him. They have their little conversation. Uh, and because he has the alethiometer, which again, they also didn't really make a big deal of the fact that Lyra left the alethiometer behind, which is how he knows she was kidnapped because she would not have left that behind. So when he mm. finds it, he's like, I know she was taken. Wow. Um, and he's pretty certain he knows by who. He's 
pretty sure that it's uh, Mrs. Coulter. So has in she? This have they met Will and Coulter? No, he just knows of her okay. from Lyra. But um, yeah, so in this iteration, he has the alethiometer, and so they use that to track Lyra. Because apparently. it uses dust, they can sense dust. Dust is everywhere. But specific, remember no. they have senses no. that humans don't have. Senses. This was dumb. They they used it to trace it back, just like they followed. They explained it at least because they're like, "Hey, you got the knife. We know how to get to the knife. We put his ears you. in another dimension." Exactly. She had the alethiometer. You got it now. We can trace it back to her. That's also where we get. I can't. I could not remember if they revealed this last season or not. That the knife is called Esahetra. Um, yeah, because yeah, when he said he needs the Esahetra, he needs you. Right. I put it together. Yes. That, yeah. So Esahetra is the subtle knife. Um. We get the new intro, which was a lot of fun. A lot of We've lot literally of spoilers. been talking for like half an hour. We've just gone to the intro. We've just gotten to the I opening mean, there's, credits. There's a lot to unwrap. There's a lot there to unwrap lot. after two years. Um, and then we get, here's where we get to Asriel and his little, his little flying machine. Which I instantly questioned if that exists. Why was Lee Scores being a balloon this whole a great time? Great fucking question. So what he's flying is called the Intention Craft, and the Intention Craft does not show up in this book for probably another, like, 350 pages. It's in here. Do they show how he gets the Intention Craft in the book? It is very specifically not explained how he makes it, because it is eons ahead of any of the other. he makes it? He made it. All right. He made it. Okay. So the Intention Craft is a flying machine, um... Almost like a gyropter, which is almost like a helicopter. But the version that he's flying has like these six like bug like legs and it's powered by thought. It's 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 moved by intention. So he sits in one. They didn't give Stelmaria her little handle because you sit and you put the handle or you put the helmet on and then your demon has to hold a little handle in like their mouth or something because the two of you, it's like a fucking Pacific Rim okay. thing. You have to both be piloting it together. I hated that. Um, <laughs> but and if they're the same person, then yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so it's just, it's just by your thoughts. So you think up, it moves up, you think forward, it moves forward. And that's and what it is. He just made and this. He just made this. Uh, and there's controls in it, but he specifically says like, we only put in controls for familiarity. So it's like flying a gyropter, but eventually you don't need them. So we'll take them out. And that's the intention craft. So and how it does is never explain? How does the intention craft go like light speed in in the show? How does he? Think? It doesn't. Okay. It does not travel between worlds. Because it sure did. It sure did. It sure did. It a hundred percent did. So that's like Be- three different ways he could have traveled between worlds mm-hmm. without killing a child. Without killing a child. Interesting. And here's the thing: he travels to another world to go find a Gunway. Okay. Agunway does not live in another world. Agunway is in as is, is in Lyra's world. He's he one of them. He has a demon. His demon is a cheetah. And is that why they're wearing their god awful cheetah looking? And he's a king. And they made him like a military like a resistance, resistance commander or something. in yeah. this. But no, Agunway is an African king uh, who is part of Azriel's like inner sanctum of, of commanders and things. That's a weird change. It is. It is. This whole thing with his family does not exist. Oh, the daughters and None everything? None of that exists. Because where we start with Azriel in this book, he already has his little inner circle. He has a Gunway. He has Zephania, which is the angel he mentioned. There are 
two other people, I believe, that he has. And you're just, you're just like, it's basically you're, you're catching up with Asriel. You're like, we haven't seen you for a while. Let's see where you're at now. You and have I, all these commanders. I can get that. I can get behind the idea of this character has been gone for some time. And when they come back, they're wholeheartedly different with the, the equipment and team they have around them. Right. And I can, I can absorb that. Um, I don't understand why they gave us a glimpse of his fairies and then they're sentient beings and they come, you know, they follow his command and then we just nothing from them. So for anybody who also listened to the teaser episode, the one thing that I thought was going to be very easily cut were the Galavespians. They're fairies. Let's just, they're Galavespians. Let's not, let's not First add, of all, they're a very not, proud. No, they're people. not. They're very cameo people. They would <laughs> very, literally kill you for calling how? them fairies because all they did, they, like, we'll I got nothing from them. I are they? They must be more in the book, right? Yes. Okay. We will see more of them. Will we? We will. I'm guessing you may have seen from the trailer that we might see more. Well, if they if they put them in here, they feature in the book. There's no reason to just make that be like, oh, it's the only time we see them. Okay, I mean, I don't know. There's a king from Africa <laughs> in the book, and that's not in there anymore. And he's got two daughters, and one has lost their soul, and the nope, other one is none of that. So none of we that. don't know where we're going in here. So that's why I'm like, okay, the the fairies things. I was like, cool. I'm seeing what army he amassed. He's got a fully automatic rifle dope that means you've been to a world that actually advanced in weapon technology that's right you were talking about that last night how they all have yes. bolt action rifles so that means okay you're building up a uh, uh, uh an actual army why is this guy important why is this resistance leader because i didn't see anything magical from him no you did not they're terrible at camouflage yep. because it was like orange green brown he just needs red. his numbers he just needs his army. And see, and that's when we come into the budget problem. Yeah. He owns three people, guys. Yeah. He's got three people on his army. That's not an army. So, yeah, we, we've gone a very interesting direction with a Gunway. Um, I think demoting him from a king to a commander sucks. I think it's it's a dumb change because that doesn't show It's me. just very, and it makes this whole thing, like, if if they had not done this, this thing that we have now where he has this craft that can travel between worlds uh-huh. isn't an issue. He didn't have to go to another world to go get a Gunway. He was already there. He was already there. Yeah. Because the only world that Agile's in, he's in his his world, essentially, where uh, he's in his Republic of Heaven. That's like the little, he opened a portal to that world. That's where he's at. That That's his base of operations? That's his base of operations. Is his, and he's calling it the Republic of Heaven. Um, and... So yeah, he has he has a good way. There are questions that I have, especially after having read it again, about like how certain people came to see him, um, but they're not really addressed. And I don't know if the show is just trying to be like he had whatever. We gave him we gave him a fucking bat wing that can go between worlds. Sure, is and I don't know, like maybe. Since I did it once, I can now know how to make it. I just had to kill one kid before. Just I to, don't know. But it, that doesn't also make sense because you said he did that thing because it releases a great amount of energy. Yes. And that was the catalyst to open up a portal. Yeah. So I need to do this to do that. But now that I don't, what are you using to release this great amount of energy? Great question. To just pop open a portal anyway, like you were in the game portal. He fucking hit like two wires together like he was hot wiring a car. Yeah. And it just opens up. And I was like, so what? what's his name? Uh, uh, not George. Roger. 
better be alive. There better be like at the end of this, I did that because I knew he wasn't going to die, Lyra. But if he's just dead, then there's no, it's, you're not, you, again, like I said from season one and two, there's just no redeeming his character. Yeah. You did all this and you killed, he asked uh, the, the general, um, what did he ask him? He asked him like, like, this is a war that's important. He's alluding to that, you know, like, and the general was like, you know, my, my daughter's are important to me. That's that's what this is type of situation. And I just kept thinking, I was like, so general, this is important war. We get it, yeah. You got fake God up there. He's doing whatever, you know, to oppress us, blah, blah, blah. Would you give up one of your daughters <laughs> just to go fight this war on a if? We don't know if we're going to win this no. bad boy. Because, again, we're fighting somebody that's crazy powerful. We got a couple of uh, uh, angels on our side. You know, maybe a few witches, but they got witches too, I think. They do. And I'm guessing they have angels too, I they guess. They do. Yeah. And we got guns that can't kill these things, but we got a knife. We do get... Well, no, they don't have a knife. Oh, yeah. They we don't. don't even have a knife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you're going to give up your daughter? We kind of need one daughter already, you know. Who's going with this? This is not a plan, bro. This is not a plan. Well, Philip Pullman didn't write it, so I don't know. Uh, he kind of wrote it. But speaking of Roger, uh, yeah, we, we do hear Roger. we do hear a much deeper voiced Roger <laughs> yes. than before. It's funny because we we hear his voice and you hear somebody calling Lyra and she goes Roger and you and I both went huh I thought it was Will that didn't sound like him I thought it was Will because obviously the little actor who played Roger five years ago in season one yes he's a grown uh, man has grown now. up yes has grown up he has so passed a, the bleed so does that mean his his uh, demon is probably settled now then right. Well, no, he his demon's gone in the afterlife, like you know, where he, in the train station where he's at, yeah. in the little you know, wherever that is, yeah. where he doesn't like being there because he said he doesn't like it. Yeah, wait, that happens later though. That's that not the first a little, hallucination. A little bit later. That's so we kind of skipped over um, seeing Lyra for the first time. So Mrs. Coulter has taken Lyra to Germany. Apparently, the oceans, the German oceans, it's different. Yeah, so because you said it's different, right? Is different. Like, no, 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 not in the book that it's different, but like their world. Their world is, is, it's not a one-to-one of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's, close. It's pretty close, but it's not a one-to-one. So Lyra and Mrs. Coulter are in a fairly nice little little house, which I guess is supposed to be an old church or something. Is Um, it? I thought it was just a stone. That's what Amma said. She's like, like, I think she said this this temple, this church, whatever. She she called it something. Oh, yeah, nobody, yeah, yeah. For a long time. Nobody hides in the. And you know what? This is quite the upgrade for them. In the book, it's a cave. I mean. It's just a cave in the side of the rock. Well, they said, the angels said that it was carved out of rock. No, it's just a cave. So technically. It's a cave in the forest. Well, here's the thing. Um, regardless of what it is, when we meet the new character, which they didn't name her. They didn't give her a name. We're going to call her Ama. Her name in the book Amma. is Ama. Okay. Um, it's just easier than saying the little white girl. She was just at the the ocean side picking flowers or whatever and that is what it looks like isn't it it looks like she just kind of happens upon them yes and then she like she comes back and 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 miss coulter's there and they you know the young lady is deaf and they're using sign language um i don't know what language and sign language are using because i thought that was also a really big missed opportunity so in the book 
Um, Ama is a little girl who lives in a village nearby. So it's a cave in the forest. Um, and it's also in the Himalayas, which is why when Ama comes on screen in this, I was like, why is she white? And then I realized we're not in Himalayas. How far did she go with Lyra? They weren't that far. Well, they were, I mean, they were far because obviously you had to take a ship to get there. So she no, went no, no, far. in the books from where she kidnapped her yeah. to the Himalayas. To the Himalayas. By herself. By herself. No bus or any means of transportation. Well, Will had to take a ship to get there. So clearly she got on a ship at some point. Yeah, but like you're still carrying a child with you. Yeah. We don't really talk about how. Keep in mind, there's certain things that will come up like that where you just have to remember, this is a middle grade book. Stuff like that is like a little If you convenient. want me to de- dig deep and think about all these different theories, then you don't leave out little details on how this grown adult got a 12-year-old intoxicated and dragged her to the middle of the Himalayas. And also, we're not in Mrs. Coulter's point of view, so we don't know. Magic. Lyra was asleep the whole time. Magic. So they're in the Himalayas, um, and Ama lives in the village nearby. And she brings food and supplies to Mrs. Coulter every few days. Uh, and Mrs. Coulter has basically given the story that she has taken a vow of silence to never speak to men. And so Ama is the only person she will speak to as she's a young girl. Um, so Ama is the only person who can bring her supplies. But she's not deaf in the book? She's not deaf. Oh, so she just, just speaks a different language. That. So what they do is that Mrs. Coulter knows a little bit of Ama's language, but she's kind of trying to pretend that she doesn't. Uh-huh. Um, so they don't speak the same language. Their demons can communicate and translate for them. Okay, that makes sense. Which would have been a really cool thing to show in the in the TV show. It, it would have been a really expensive thing to show. So we can't CGI. This is this is Emma inside the meeting of <laughs> all the execs at the table. That sounds nice, Emma. And I know you read the book. But that cost at least million dollars <laughs> for that squirrel to talk. So in this scenario, they use sign language to communicate. I thought she was deaf. I mean, I thought it was a cool thing because then it's just like she can't. I talk. don't know if they make Ama deaf because she talks to other people at certain points. So is there other people? Because you would assume she lives there on her own. Who, it's Ama? An, I, no. Yeah, they, they show the house on the side of a rock. And then when they pan out, it's just an island. And it doesn't look like it leads to any yeah. other location. So unless she... You saw the Black Panther 2 yet? Nope. Okay. So unless um, she lives underwater in Atlantis, then I don't know yeah. where her, the rest of her people I are. I don't know. She shows up with her with her father, I think, that, that time that we see her for the first time. Um, and her father hangs back. And doesn't... And doesn't come up to the cave because but, Mrs. Coulter won't speak to him. But he knows that she's there. But he knows though. she's there, yes. He goes so with then, her. And that's when she tells that's when she tells Mrs. Coulter she's like there are rumors in the village that you're hiding somebody in that you know. Oh, uh, okay. And so she shows her Lyra and she tells the story. She's like, my this is my daughter. We're being hunted. Um, she was put under an enchanted sleep, and I can't wake her up. And if anybody knows that we're here, they'll come for us. They'll destroy us, and they will destroy anybody around us. They're they're doing a, a big disservice to the to the overall feel of the world by not adding extras in a lot of places and then putting extras in places that they probably shouldn't be because we'll get to it later with the bear and stuff could have took that group of people and then yeah put them there well and and you never see that village but yeah having ama's father there and having it like because by the time we see that it's an established thing they've been there for a while yeah um that that ama comes every few days to give supplies and also because, I mean, they did the same thing with the, the village uh, with uh, 
the kid that had the dead fish and stuff like that. Right, yeah. They had nobody in that village. It was just a dead wasteland yep. type of thing. So um, I don't know the flesh. Because when I looked at it, I just looked at it as, okay, this little girl lives on an island by herself. So she's got to be something special. How would a little girl live on an island by herself? I, that's why I'm like, she's got to be special somehow. Oh, my God. No. She's, she's got to have some type of. No. And then because my initial thought is wow, Mrs. Coulter has another daughter and she's not telling anybody and she kept her... Why? What is wrong with you? I don't know what this is. You're taking weird the leaps. Woman you is, make the weirdest First of all, leaps. the woman's crazy, all right? We already know that. So why wouldn't she have a secret child that she keeps away from the world? You make the weirdest leaps, I I'm, swear. Does I'm not going make off any what sense. they gave me. No. And I know there's somebody out there Makes that's no thinking sense. the exact same thing when they see this. They were like, wow, she has a secret child. She kept her away. Maybe she thought... Maybe she thought she was Eve. Wow. And she was like, I'm going to keep you, her No, this here. is you. You're weird. And then when she goes back in society, she finds out that Lyra's Eve. She's like, oh, I need to take her to where I thought the, the other so one weird. is. You're so weird. I'm telling you. Am I weird or is yes. it a genius no, idea that should have been in the book? I'm telling you. I, I just, I, uh, it's it's a good idea. So if she's, if her only purpose is to bring these people supplies and she serves no other role in this, why are we like highlighting her? I don't know. Maybe you'll see her again. Well, I mean, she found out the secret that she is hiding somebody in there. So yes, later on, later on she did. Well, and that's also, they also cut out the fact that Ama, and one of the things that the show doesn't do very well is illustrate how, not charming isn't even the right word for what Mrs. Coulter is. Mrs. Coulter can draw in anybody and make them right. Yes, but to the to the point of like making people love her very easily. So like Ama feels so deeply for this mother who is you know trying her best for her daughter and trying to hide. And like Ama gets so in it, she walks three hours to a nearby monastery yeah, and meets that. with a holy man to try to get medicine. And she says, you know, she says, I, I need medicine for, she makes up a story about like a cousin who's in an enchanted sleep because she doesn't want to give Lyra away. She doesn't want to hurt this woman. Um, or a sister that's an enchanted sleep. Wow. You know, whatever. So yeah, Ama, Ama walks, you know, she walks three hours to a monastery to get some medicine to try and wake Lyra up. Um, and she comes back and she thinks that she's going to, you know, she arrives at the cave and she doesn't see Mrs. Coulter. Mrs. Coulter isn't there. She's like, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, I'll surprise her. So when she comes back, I'll be sitting here with her daughter who's awake. And so she goes in and starts to try to give Lyra the medicine. Mrs. Coulter comes back and Alma like gets worried that she's in there and shouldn't be. So she kind of hides. And that's when she sees Lyra start to kind of stir and wake up. And Mrs. Coulter gives her tea to make her fall back asleep. Oh, okay. And that's how Ama finds out uh, okay. that, like, actually this woman is lying. And so, yeah, they, they kind of, they just make some odd choices. I mean, what are you going to do? They, they, um, the only thing I can think of is they didn't want to spend too much time on this character. I, th I feel like you're not really going to get too much more of her besides whatever. She'll... Well, I don't want to say she'll come up again. There's potential for her to come up again. I just think kind of follow certain things. The only thing I can think of is when people come to look for Lyra, they'll run into her and she'll know I can't trust Miss Coulter. So let me tell these people that are looking and say they want to help Lyra right. to go find her. So that was the link they're going to give us. So they needed to put her in there. But I don't think we're going to get 
any village, monastery, or no, any none other of that's people. Come up. So then, if we're not getting all of that, then it's going to be extremely irritating because I'm going to think she lives on that island by herself. <laughs> that's it. She has been. She was born on that island. Her parents peaced out and left her there and raised was, by wolves. Yep, and that's it. Not even wolves, because when they pan out, it's just a house on a rock. There's nothing else. So it's an interesting directorial choice to do that. And then before we get too far away from that, the only other thing that was really weird there was that Pan was awake and talking to Mrs. Coulter. Because Pan should feel the same way, right? He should be asleep. Drugged up. He's dead asleep. Yeah, yeah. So he's not talking to Mrs. Coulter like that. I don't know. They just kind of make, there's always just little interesting tweaks like that that don't really mean anything. We haven't watched any... I guess we couldn't, or they didn't make any like behind the scenes talk to the directors type of thing. You know, I don't like, know. I'm sure we can find something, but yeah, they haven't really done like they they usually don't do anything in depth with like the writers or at uh, ad, ad, adaptators was what I was yeah about adaptators to say. Yeah, that's, adapters that's, that's correct, that's correct. We're the adaptators. screenwriters about like here are the decisions that we made and why they generally don't do that. It would be interesting well, they, to have conversations they did that like that. With, um, oh no, because you haven't watched that show yet. They do that. They've they've done it before with shows. I know, like mm. Game of Thrones did it, but they don't really tell you why they make the decisions that they make. Mm. They just are like, we didn't want to do this, so we didn't. Mm. But yeah, um, I would yeah. love to see that for any medium. Yeah, that would be very interesting. No one ever explains that from book to TV or to movie or to whatever. So. So we also got our first, so we're kind of getting our first look at where everybody's at. We're catching up with everyone. Um, Although somebody was conspicuously absent, but we'll get there. Um, We see the Magisterium. We see Father McPhail, who is now Father President. Yes, he got a big promotion after. Did did get a big promotion. Did he kill, uh, what's that dude that he killed? Um, Or maybe he had him imprisoned. I can't remember what they did. Sounds about right. Somebody that came from like the capital, basically, yeah. to go check on things during season two. So, Father President, uh, they've they've condensed the politics of the Magisterium a lot in this. It seems um, because throughout this book, there are two almost warring factions of the Magisterium. Really? There's the Court of Consistorial Discipline, which is what Father McPhail is the head of. He's the president of the court, and then there's I literally cannot remember the name of the other faction of the or of the magisterium but basically you have two kind of factions of the magisterium who won't share information and are both kind of working toward the same thing but they each want the credit for it and they're not really talking together and it's they've they've just condensed all of that out of it and the magisterium is just one whole you know Sounds organization like multiple police departments in the 70s yeah like they just never shared information and then but they're all supposed to catch the same criminals yeah so essentially yes so we see uh father mcphail um and they they give us a little indication that you know there's some thought policing going on because you know here's here's some heretical text that should have been season one yeah we should have been seeing that in season one because that's the oppression i've been looking for yes and now we're getting to season three of like hey this book was found about birds guys we don't we don't condone birds that aren't here. real. Yeah, exactly. They're drones. <laughs> so, but we get introduced to another character during that scene, Father Gomez. Father Gomez, who I'm not sure on just yet. He mm-hmm. seems like he's the he seems like he's a McPhail part two. Like right. I'm about to start doing some shady stuff to get higher up in the ranks type of situation. But there's a scene with when they speak. Um, 
I'm not sure if it's just this one. Like if because, oh yeah, because Father McPhail tells Gomez, hey, I don't know. Gomez tells Father McPhail, can I go talk to Rat Boy? Yeah. Um, because he's taking you know a little bit longer with that alethiometer, um, trying to find Lyra. You know, maybe I'll give him a little nudge, nudge. You know, push, push. You know, help him focus his mind so he can find it. You know, be mean basically. Um, but. So I, I get that, but that seems kind of blatant and too obvious. Like, we got a Father McPhail already. We've had him for two seasons. Right. And we've seen these tactics and stuff like that. So I am under the theory that maybe he's a double agent within the Magisterium. And I feel like somewhere along the season, he might throw them off a little. Okay. Be the, the, be the martyr on the inside. Like he's going to take the hit because he knows the bigger thing. Like there's, there's a, um, and I know how much you love anime, but there's, there's an anime where throughout the full, I want to say like, and I could be wrong for anybody, it's bleach, but there's like 10 seasons of a story arc. And there's one guy who's a bad guy, like the second hand commander of the bad guy, the whole time of the main guy. And at the last season, he, you find out he's a double agent. But, like, by himself. Right. Like, no one instructed him to do this. He was like, I'm the only one that can stop this dude. I'm going to be a double agent and not tell anybody. I'm going to commit all these atrocities. Kill all these different people. It's awfully convenient. He literally literally does. And he's like, at the last second, I'm going to turn on this dude. And he's like, I had to. You had to believe that I was a bad guy. So I so he Severus Snape? He, not even though, because Severus Snape even had somebody that knew that he was yeah. kind of on the, no one knows, not the reader, not the, <laughs> the people in the story, no one. But he, and he does his best attempt to stop the dude, but then dies and doesn't hold back anything. So he like, he just dies. It was a dumb plot line, especially to, at the last minute to be like, oh, he was a good guy the whole time. Yeah. But it was... It, it was, it was, it was, so that's what I'm looking at Gomez like. I'm like, he might be this martyr guy. I was like, I'm going to do all these bad things. But it was honestly, so I can find Lyra, give her back to the right side before the magisterium, put this dummy Lyra decoy in her bed as a, as a little decoy, you know, and then they'll be like, oh, we got her. Like, no, you got a, a bale of hay that looks like Lyra. And so I think, and it was only because that one scene or after he's talking to Father McPhail, where he walks out and he kind of exhales, like as if yeah, that was an interesting because he wasn't it wasn't like Father McPhail was grilling him or nothing yeah. So I was like, he must think you know, oh man, that was like he walked out and I'm like, oh, that was close. That was weird. Didn't need to happen. So the name of the other arm of the church that I couldn't remember is here in my notes. It is the Society for the Work of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So in that that scenario with I don't know why they had. Fra Pavel and Father Gomez interact. I don't know what that was about. Fra Pavel is working as hard as he can work, and that's not an interaction that happens. So essentially what it is is, um, so Fra Pavel is the alethiometrist for that arm of the church. The Society for the Work of the Holy Spirit has a different alethiometrist who is faster and better than Fra Pavel. But they use the same one, right? Same what? Are there multiple ones in the, the church? Alethiometers? Yeah. Yes. Okay. There's like three I couldn't remember. And I think they have the other two. Okay. Um. And so Fra Pavel basically gets to the point where like, he's like, I know that she's in the Himalayas. I don't know exactly where the other, the society probably knows more than we do. And they probably have a better indication of where she is. 
And because they're not sharing that information, like they don't, that's that whole, so they, they cut out that whole storyline. So is uh, Gomez from the other? No. Okay. So he's not, he's with the, okay. So Gomez is, and they, they mention this and we're kind of jumping all over the place as we usually do, but we kind of try to stay with characters, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can't stay with characters. So there's a throwaway line. They just toss it. They kind of put it out there. And Father Gomez says, I've been doing preemptive absolution all my life. So I can step out of the bounds of what we need to do, of what we should do. And preemptive absolution is in and of itself an entire chapter. Like the whole of chapter six is called preemptive absolution. And so essentially what it is, is that the um, the church knows that Lyra needs to die. They understand that she's Eve, that she will be tempted, and that if she's tempted, she is likely going to fall. And so what they need to do is take her out. So what they do is they assign Father Gomez to be an assassin. Okay, yeah. And he basically says, I've been doing preemptive absolution, which means that they basically self-flagellate for their lives to store up credit so that they can one day commit a great sin and be absolved of it before they even do it. Okay. Very much but corrupt church bullshit. But he's the bullshit. same thing as Father McPhail because we saw him doing that. Yeah. But so- it's... It's just that he his purpose in this point is that they're building he's been building that up for something that he was gonna do someday and they're like, We want you to go kill this little girl. And he's uh, like, I'm okay. good. But the way that they executed it, it didn't make it seem like this is what you're Right, because he kinda just for. says he's like, I've been doing preemptive absolution, I can do whatever I want. It kinda sounds like he can just go out and kill whoever and I thought, be whatever. Yeah, I thought No, he has preemptive absolution for one sin. Okay. The one sin he's going to commit that he's assigned to do is to go after Lyra. Yeah, they made it, I thought... They gave him, like, blanket absolution for I everything. thought it just meant, like, he's on a squad that goes outside of the, the box to do bad things all And that was the thing, is that he was like, I want you to head up this task force that's going to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No. They send him off on his own. Uh, and it's a whole, like, there's, like, a ritual where they absolve him of it, and they're very clear. They're like, when you take on this mission, you can never come back. Mm-hmm. You are... On your own, you are out of the church for the rest of your life. We will never see you again, regardless of if you if you succeed or you fail. So he's a martyr Goodbye. for a different. He's essentially a martyr. Yes. Okay. So yeah, they like they toss that in there so like oh boop preemptive absolution. And I was like, come on, you can't say yeah. that and not explain it. Yeah, I just thought yeah, I thought he was like okay, I'm in this uh, the the hit force type of thing. Like um, what's what's uh another example. You saw Serenity, right? Nope. Not Serenity. No, okay, never mind. Never watched Firefly. Yeah, I never watched Firefly either. I only saw the movie. Yeah. But they have a brilliant villain in there. And he, he works for, you know, the the uh, big pharma, basically, is what I'm going to just call it. It's a big corporation type of thing. But he tells the, the hero, he was like, I don't belong in their world. I'm here to do this. Kill you, kill him, whatever. Yeah. He said, even if I don't even see the world that they're trying to create after the end of this, that's not my job. This is my job. It's Father this Gomez. Is what I'm here. Yeah. So I wish they would have played him like that. Then. Yeah. Like that's a that was a villain. That yeah. movie has a great villain. It's um Baron Mordo from. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what his yeah, yeah, yeah. name is. It's something difficult. Excuse me. Sorry. But. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yes. Sure. Yeah. That's, sure. That's, that's, <laughs> So that's kind of where that's that's kind of the arc we have for fa- um, for Father Gomez throughout this episode as we get to the point where he has um, been tasked with finding Lyra, and then for some 
godforsaken reason, he pulls out a dress I suppose Lyra wore, and we have these little yeah, beetles bull, bull that can go find her. Okay, and then those, why those... are you even using the alethiometer to find her if you have that? Because that's heresy to use those beetles, right? No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's and not. He can do things that they can't, so he can do these type of things. You're not supposed to use no. a little girl's dress no. to find her. That was so. that was a bizarre again. Like, there's all these little things that like that just wasn't necessary. You already have the guy using the alethiometer to find her. They get the exact coordinates with the alethiometer. Really, really, yeah, okay. So, like, why do this thing that just creates a question of why didn't you do this in the first place? we've seen those bugs before, but I can't remember how they find things. Scent. Oh, scent. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so if you did. have something that she wore, okay. they can find you anywhere in the world. Got it, got it. Okay. So, yeah, that was an interesting thing. Um, we, cutting back to Will and the angels. The I angels. The cutting back, yes. Hilarious, yes. No pun intended. Um, so... The angels and Will kind of finally come to an understanding of he's like, well, you found me. You could find Lyra because I'm not doing shit for you. Yes. I have one thing in this world, and yes. that's Lyra. She is the only thing that matters right now. I'm going to go get her. Correct. And you want me to go to Azriel? Okay. I don't give a shit. So he basically enlists their help. You know, if you help me find Lyra, then I will help you with whatever you need. And the angels decide to split up. So Balthamas and Baruch... Balthamos is the one that stays. Baruch flies off to Azrael and he's like, we need to at least tell him what we know and that you're coming. In the book is what, ha- that's what happens. Well, and even in, when they talk about that, when they split up, they're like, he says, I'm going to go oh, to yeah, Azrael. Oh, yeah, because we didn't see that. Yet. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah okay. so he says, I'm going to go to Azrael. I'm going to tell him about Esahetra and you know, the information that we know, you stay with him and then we'll meet up again. Okay. What they don't, they, the, the, little, the little thing that they leave out is that Will is like, how will you find each other? Like, how will we know? They they can sense each other wherever they are. Yeah, hey, why would Will even ask that in the book? Uh, I think it was because when one of them flew off to go find Lyra, and he was like, "How will we know how to catch up with them?" Like it was a whole thing. But anyway, they they have a connection. Um, they have obviously been together for thousands of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we get a little bit of information on them. So you would ask you would ask if there was gender with the angels because obviously Balthamas and Baruch are in love. Um, I just said there wasn't. I yeah, didn't and you, it was. Well, yeah, and you were like, there's no gender. Yeah, because so, like, their statues were kin dolls. I believe it's Baruch is the one who was a man at one point. So in, he was oh, so they he was a person. Into angels. Not all of them. It's very unclear. It's, it's kind of unclear on what happens. So um, Balthamos, and I might have this backwards for anybody who's read the book, but this is what I'm going to go with. So Balthamos is much, much, much older than Baruch. But Baruch was a man about 4,000 years ago. Mm. When he died. And so Baruch is always talked about with he, him pronouns. And Balthamos has no pronouns. Um, or it's they. Because they so Balthamos, just have always been. Right. They've just been. So Balthamos is genderless. Baruch so is how a man. Did, how did he become? The same way that um, a lot of the early angels did. They just came out of dust. No, he. How, I'm saying how do you go from man to angel i'm saying oh they don't really know they don't really talk about like because not every obviously not everybody who dies becomes an angel but sometimes that does happen because i mean if we're building an army and i need more angels let's just start converting some people over here and we get angel force yeah because if an angel is stronger than a human they're not then what am i doing with you guys (laughs) what are we doing with you guys well again there there are ranks of angels and baruch and balthamos are very low ranked angels they can't really do much 
And one of the things that, that we'll run into and that they, they discuss a little bit is that angels envy and kind of covet humanity because they have flesh and they can touch and they can interact with the world and they have bodies and angels don't. Well, you can't do that anymore because they can turn into humans. Apparently. And they can walk around with everybody. Yeah. So, so that was a uh, that was a visual. And I get why they did that because the angels are, aren't really visible. And so you want something where like Will can actually interact with the person that he's talking to. So they head off. You know, they're using the alethiometer to track Lyra. Apparently. They it's a it, thing yeah. that we can do. Yep. And we run into our friend York Bernison. And this is where I knew, I fucking knew they were going to cut this out. And I'm still mad they did it because we skipped the entirety of what I believe is chapter three, wherein Serafina Pecola, who we didn't see in this episode. At all. Um, goes to York and tells him, basically fills him in on what's going on at the end of the subtle knife, what she knows with the witches. And she tells him that Lee Scoresby died. But... When Lee Scoresby used um, the little pine cloud to call Serafina, he was obviously too late. Um, so she arrived after he was dead. But what she did. It's on him. Is on him. Yeah. It's 100% on him. Yeah. Um, what she did was she put a spell on his body to preserve it so he would not decay. Oh, it's, um, it's a D&D move. He sure. stole that straight out of D&D. Sure. So <laughs> she puts a spell on his body so he won't decay. And um, York Bernison goes and finds him and, you know, gets to say his last goodbyes to his friend. What is the travel time in this in this whole book? Wait for it. You've missed, you're, you're not even to the best part. He eats his body. Why? Because it's the last thing that his friend can give him. It's a way to honor him. He eats Lee Scoresby's yeah, body and then leaves the rest, leaves the bones and whatever he left behind for the scavengers. That's horrible. And I was I was like, I know they're going to take this out. They were going to put that. Fucking yes. cowards. They, yeah. Why would they? That I get that it may be like some sentimental thing between the two friends. Eats his body. But the, yeah, that didn't. It just as a direct, gobbles him right up. As a direct. Nom, 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 nom. A director's choice, that's fine. They could be like... Cowards. No, nah, they didn't need that. Absolute cowards. They didn't need that. Um, and then, so what, what we missed out on, because we get we get York's point of view a few times in the book. And so what we miss out on is the fact that the ice caps are melting in the north. Um, global and warming's happening in their world, too? warming. Okay, so are we um, going after big companies, so, big tech after this? And it's an, it's an, issue, of, it's an issue of dust. It's an issue of, of kind of everything that's going on in all of the worlds. But the, the ice is melting in the north, and so his people are going to starve if, you know, they can't hunt. Um, and so he decides that they're going to go south because he knows that there's a place in the south with mountains, you know, higher than the clouds, snow-capped mountains. And he's like, we can go to where there's snow. We can go to where it's cold. We're going to make this journey. And that's where we'll live for a time until things... This melts too. And then we just got to keep yeah, moving. Well, essentially until the world settles, until our, our home freezes again, and then we can go back. So that's why they're even on that boat. Because Will and Bothamos run into York, and you're like, why the fuck are they even here? Well, they just made it seem as if that village captured one of their bears to eat. Yeah, no. So... He runs into them because they're heading they're heading south and the fight between Yorick and the villagers because this calls into question how the fuck did they trap a bear? How the fuck did they do that? Because it's they're not real bears. They don't have opposable thumbs. No. And also they do have opposable thumbs. He, not in the show they don't. And he didn't um whatever the bear that was captured didn't have armor. It was She just did a, not. Yeah. They didn't give her any armor. Just a regular bear. So 
what what actually is. and it's kind of this 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 uh continuing question of like why change this when it just creates more questions because the reason that they're there is they're heading south but because they're bears people are afraid of them and so this town will not let them stop and refuel and they have to because their boat's out of fuel and they need to keep going but this town won't Wait, let they're, them they're refuel. piloting the boat no they've they've uh hired a boat that was closer to the north so the boat person that's driving, the captain. Sure, the crew. There's a whole is crew. It's a human. Yes. And the whole crew is human. Yes. And they couldn't vouch for him. Nope. That makes no this sense. Town is just, this town is afraid of the bears. And they're like, you can't stop here. You can't buy our fuel. You can't do anything. And the bears are like, what the fuck? We need to. like." The, you don't even have the bears talk. Have the crew talk to them. Be like, hey. They're giant bears. Still. Where are they going to hide? No, no. They don't need to hide. I'm saying. The, if the crew is on the boat and they haven't been, but they eaten know or, that the armored bears are right yeah, there. Yeah, that's fine, and that's, they're afraid of them. So you, you, because they got a dock, right? They docked. So when you dock, somebody has to get off the boat and talk to the people. Have that be the humans. That's what and I'm the, saying. No, they're like, we can see the bears on the boat. We're not letting you refuel. Like it's to me that the argument is still like, oh, that's what your argument would be. The oh, we can see the bears on the boat. We're gonna let you refuel. Why? They're on the boat. They've done because nothing they're afraid to of us. them. You don't even because, have to touch the. Bears. How often do people do shitty things to somebody who's never done anything to them because they're afraid of them? All the time, but All not the time. bears. Yes. In this, case, in this case, it's bears. So that's the reason that there is a huge fight between the bears and the village. It's actually a much, much bigger fight than this. Like, it's like they're roasting this fucking village. They can't have. They don't have the they budget to get have more than two things. Like a, they have like, um, oh, God, what's that thing called when you, like, shoot something from, like, the ground? A and then mortar? It, mortar. They basically have a mortar on the fucking boat. The bears are bombing this goddamn city with at so this wait, point. So, it's, a, it's intense. It's a big fight. So just because they couldn't fuel, they're going to attack the city? Yeah. Because if they can't buy the fuel, they're going to have to take it. Good Lord. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So that's when Will shows up. He um, uh, challenges York to single combat. That all works out the same way. Challenges York to single combat. Cuts the helmet. Cuts the helmet. Um, and then York is like, well... That thing's really fucking dangerous. Well, so I mean, the thing that just destroyed my one... Yep. My everything? Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Why I took it off in the first place as well? Well, because he's an honorable bear. Okay. He's an honorable bear, and he can't fight a little boy who has nothing. And so he's like, well, okay, you can have this piece of my armor. Oh, so he offers the piece of no, his armor. No, we'll, we'll ask for oh, it. We'll he's like, you know, okay. give me a piece of your armor, and then we'll be more evenly matched, and then we can fight. And York is like, okay, I'm still going to kill you, but all right. He's not a bear. He's an armored bear. No, he's not, because he got tricked. Bears can't get tricked, remember? He's an armor bear. He didn't get tricked. He, he got, got tricked. That's not a trick. Because here's the thing. He knows that this boy cannot wear his armor, and yet he still gave it up. Yeah. You got tricked. Yeah. You're not a bear. Mm -hmm. So that means, wow. Wow. So they strike up a little friendship. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they, once they you trick, out. does he get a nickname? He does not. That's terrible. See? That's terrible. It's he's not Lyra. Terrible and racist. Now that wow. I'm thinking, now that I'm thinking, you won't give the little black boy a nickname. Wow. Nice, he's nice, Yorick. Thank you. Uh, I guess if I was a black bear, then maybe I still wouldn't get a nickname. Wow. 
So basically, where we leave off with everybody, um, Will and and Balthamos are with the bears. They're heading down uh, south because, again, it's a conversation they realize they're heading in the same direction, which is why Will and Yorick stick together. They're like, we happen to be going the same way anyway. Because, again, he's going to the Himalayas. That actually calls into question, where the fuck is Yorick going? Why wouldn't he go to the Himalayas in the first place? Who? Yorick and his people. That's what they're going. They were so that's where they that's were on where they're heading because okay. they're heading for the big mountains. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just said big mountains. I didn't know it was Himalayas that they well, were yeah, going you, to. Yeah, you figure out that okay. point. Okay. Okay. So you know, at the end of all of this, um, you kind of have Azriel still trying to get a Gunway on his side. They do the whole whatever thing. Um, so in the books, he's still trying to get him on his side. He's like, I need your kingdom to be on my side, right? He doesn't your have army. to. They're already there. He already has them. So this whole this whole thing is just for fake. the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, where where the book starts, he has a ring of commanders, and a Gunway is one of them. He already has. So a then, what is a Gunye doing this whole time then in the book? Uh, if he's already on his side, and I don't need to convince you, and I got your army, we're good. Is there any more back and forth? Is there any nope. turmoil between them? No. Nothing. No, he's just he's he's a loyal commander. So I mean, I guess okay, they're they're at least keeping with their with some of their. Um, some of their rhythm in there because you were like Boreal's not in the show this much. And yeah, we got you know we got a whole bunch of chapters on him. A lot here, so maybe that's what they're doing with this character. They're like, okay, maybe we need to flesh him out a little bit more because we're going to not give you that full counsel that you said he has in there. We're probably well. We already go. know we're going to get. We obviously are going to get a Gunway. We obviously have Zafania. They're going to do. I don't the... know that. How do you know? How do we know? Is that have they been cast or something? Well, no, he's talked about her twice, that she already is on his council. Oh. He mentioned her twice in the episode. He said, I have an angel. Her name is Zephania. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one that told him. Yeah, and she's a member of my council. the beans of everything. So we have a Gunway, we have Zephania. We're going to get Roke. For the book readers, you'll know who that is. There's no reason we wouldn't get Roke, given what we saw in this episode. And so we're pretty solid. We're pretty set. Okay. So he's got like five people on the squad? I think that's the main three. Three angels, two humans? Three angels. Yeah, the, the 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 couple, and then they're not part. So they they they're not part of his anything. Oh, they're not a part of his. They council? want to be. They want to be a part of his fight. Uh, but okay, okay. and they have information that he needs. But they're worried that if they don't bring him something important, if they don't have a reason, like as a hedger, they're like, if we bring him this, he has to listen to us because we have information he needs, and we want to be a part of his fight. Why but, would he turn them away? Because they're low level angels who have nothing to offer. It's. People. No, it's not. They can't do anything. I I, I need numbers. Bro. Okay, their numbers are invisible, apparently. Even if they're cannon fodder, that means they went down so this other guy could get further. No. I, how do you... That cannon's going to pass through them and hit the guy behind them. I'm not following Asriel. First so... of all, you're killing kids. You're not taking <laughs> uh, soldiers where you can get them. Yeah, bro, come on. They're not soldiers. You make them soldiers They then, literally bro. cannot fight. They you, are you, incorporeal. You make them. No, they're not. They can turn they into robe, uh, robe-wearing. This is the, this is the problem <laughs> yeah. it creates when you make these changes. If they can hold, I swear, if they pick up one item in the next episode, <laughs> that means they can pick He's up a gun. He's holding up the alethiometer. So that means he can pick up a gun. No, he can't. That means he no, can he pick cannot. up a gun. That means you can fight. So Azriel's kind of given Agunway his spiel. Um, you get the whole, you get him telling the Agunway that death is a lie. He says death is a lie, and Agunway's like, "I've seen death," and he's like, "No, like the authority has perverted dust. They have perverted the natural order of the world. And in my war, 
death is going to die. So I'm guessing everybody's going to be immortal then. I don't know. After. I don't know what it means. And if, if they're not, and if Roger doesn't come back, then yeah, there's no, there's no saving any of this. We fought this for nothing because who's the next angel that's just going to come around and in a thousand years when we're all dead, just going to do the same lie and then starts over. Or addresses that question. if we're immortal because you killed death, then it can never happen again type situation because everybody will always know. But I don't know what Azrael's plan is, we'll but see. that's what he says. He says death is going to die. He says death is a lie and he says death is going to die. We'll see. We'll see. Um, there are some things that got left out of this, but I won't get too much into them because as I always say on this, I don't want to risk that they're going to give it to you later and okay. I have spoiled it for you. So okay. we'll leave that alone. Um, what did I just turn away from? There is a big, for book readers, um, they obviously left out a regent who is very important, who should have been introduced in this first episode and was not. And I'm curious to see what happens with that. My worry is that they are going to conflate two characters who should not be with the regent. And we'll see if that happens. But, uh, I believe that's where we lay off on episode one. Yeah. Which means that we are on to episode two. The break, which is the chapter of title. Ti- oh my God, the chapter of title. Jesus Christ. Nope. One more time, the title uh, of, of chapter, chapter twelve. There we go. Um, we got there. We we got there in the end. Um, words aren't real. Interestingly, right? and after we win this war, you'll see <laughs> that the words were a lie. In episode one, we essentially skipped over chapters three, four, and five. Um, we ended useless on, chapters anyway, though they're they're not important. They're very important. No. We ended on sort of the beginning of chapter six, and then the next episode is titled chapter twelve. So, so we're just we're jumping around, though. I guess, I guess it'll fold back in on itself whenever. Yeah. So the the biggest um the biggest thing that we're missing in this first episode, not missing, but like the biggest thing that we haven't seen yet, is obviously Doctor Malone. Yeah, she, I mean, you know, I don't we, think, I don't we left think off with her in, in last season in Chitagatse, and we haven't seen her since. She didn't really have a big. Um, she was just kind of wandering. Yeah, she's just the shadows wandering. told yeah. her to wander, and so she went off to wander. Like, and I wonder, are the shadows, are not the shadows, but the angels that did, because we find out they're angels. You mm-hmm. know, she, they, they tell her, well, it's not the two dudes. It's not no. the. Okay. It's not Balthamas and Baruch. Some, uh, some other people. There's some a lot of angels, ranked. all right? There's no, a there, lot of no, angels. No, not in the show. There's not going to be. You know they only have a budget for five. They're going to give you five angels. To be fair, we don't have a lot of named angels. There just are a lot of angels in yeah. the world. Yeah, and, I'm, and the you know, they probably will do that because they're easy to animate since there's not much of them. Um, so they'll probably give you a, a, a war between that, but then two humans fighting alongside. Doesn't make any damn sense. They'll probably digital multiply. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. Be like, there's Baruch, and there's Baruch, and there's Baruch. Yep. So I, I think I think that's just the only thing that has it. It's not as grandiose feeling. Yeah. With without all the extras, which yeah. is weird. If you were green lit for everything, that means whoever wanted to produce this saw it important enough to give it the full story. So then give it the full money. Yeah. Like, I know they're not getting Game of Thrones episode money. You know billions per episode but like how much is an extra nowadays right wow cheeseburger you gotta pay them a lot they're unionized are they are extras unionized now they can be well then we just don't go to the union one. wow <laughs> you're a not you're a scab you're a scab yes yeah, says the person in a union right now no i'm not i oh am. you are 
<laughs> I was like, Bring I'm not it anymore. To the person. I'm in a union. Yes. This is my second union, actually. Well, you're still a scab. How dare you? How dare you? So anyway, support the HarperCollins union strike. Uh, I don't even know anything it. about it. I can't support something I don't know anything about. Support it. <laughs> I don't know support it. it. They could be killing kids to go to different worlds. <laughs> I can't support that. It's the Azrael's union strike. Exactly. Uh, so I don't know about that. All right, you ready to watch episode two? Let's do it. Let's, Let's watch do episode it. two because there's two. We didn't. I don't know if anybody heard the last time we do a two season or two an episode, two nope. episodes. There you go. Per release, so we're going to be watching this one and immediately jumping into the second. Yes, we will. And we'll see you guys next time.